Hi, everyone. I hope you're all having a great day. Today, I'm interviewing Professor Irk, a professor of computational linguistics at the University of Austin, Texas. This is part one to a two-part series. I hope you all enjoy. Let's get right into it. Okay. Yeah, so my name is Katrin Erk. I come from Germany originally, and now I'm a faculty member in the linguistics department at the University of Texas at Austin. And um, so broadly, my research is in computational linguistics, kind of at the intersection of uh, computer science and linguistics. It's an area that traditionally has been kind of at least two different things. On the one hand, kind of an, an engineering field. So how can we build language technology systems that are useful for important tasks that people want done? And on the other uh, hand, um, can we use methods from computer science and mathematics to get a gain a deeper understanding of uh, how language works? Basically, build um, computational models that help um, compu uh, that help cognitive scientists, that help linguists uh, figure out what what goes on in your head when you're processing language. Yeah. And um, so, more specifically. My area is in computational semantics. So um, what, what is meaning of words or meaning of sentences anyway? And uh, how can we represent that? How can we uh, get a machine to understand it? And how do we actually measure whether a machine has understood it in the first place? Yeah, it seems super interesting. Could you tell me how you kind of got into that field? Um, if there are anything that inspired you to get into the field? Um, it's kind of a bit of a long-winded way. So um, I, I think I got a good amount of exposure to kind of questions about language in my family. Um, my father um, taught German to people from all over the world coming to Germany and wanting to learn German. And... Um, he thought a lot about linguistic questions. Um, but then I went off and studied computer science, so something quite different. Uh, but then, hey, um, in, at my university, there was this minor uh, called computational linguistics. And then gradually, I um, migrated over from computer science over an actual institute for computational linguistics to where I'm now at, namely a linguistics department. Yeah, and were there any maybe specific challenges or questions that inspired you in your time as a professor or just um, with the minor as computational linguistics? Um, I always felt that semantics was just especially tricky. So even when I was studying and they were saying, okay, so here's how we represent meaning. And I was looking at this thing. And at that time, they had some logic-based representation that basically said nothing about lexical meaning. And I thought like, this is not meaning. Uh, th there must be more to it. There's so much more that, that you should be uh, saying about meaning. And um, to me, it always felt like that was about the, the most difficult thing that I could imagine working on and, um, and the most intriguing. And then at one point I was working in a project where we had people manually label a text with, so, so they, they were given a list of say word senses. So um, I don't know, the word bat can mean uh, bat the animal or bat the stick. 
And then you were given sentences and please label which, which meaning it is. And for bat, this is trivial, right? But then there are words that have meanings that are so close together and really hard to distinguish. And, and uh, you could see the, 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 the people who are doing the annotation struggling and, and in meaning and in meetings, they would sometimes um, discuss for a whole hour about a single sentence and still not agree on what it meant. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating, um, not just that it was so hard, but also that um, these are people that in normal everyday conversations would get along just fine, right? They could talk to each other. How could they talk to each other and understand each other so well? And then when they sat down and tried to drill down on the meaning of this one word in this one context, uh, totally disagree. H how does that fit together? What's going on? Yeah, and what would you say are some tools that we use to understand the meaning of words and phrases, maybe in that same context? Um, there are, let's say, two uh, prevailing strategies that um, don't quite fit together, and that's one of the really intriguing problems. So um, one thing was uh, people in philosophy of language and linguistics, uh, they noticed that they could use formal logic, so tools for formalizing arguments to describe uh, meanings of natural language sentences. Um, George Montague is one of the, the so look at this. And um, the, so this, this is this long uh, tradition of seeing meaning as something structured and something logical and to uh, describe meaning in, in terms of these uh, logical representations. And uh, this has been a phenomenal success story for getting at kind of the, what I call the structure of, of, um, of meaning. So uh, something like, um, if I say, um, she lost no occasion to declare her political principles, that's kind of the opposite as uh, she lost an occasion to. So, so what, what does no do? What does um, any do? Or something like every time she did this or that. Uh, this is something that you can do great with logic. But um, the, the details of, of word meaning and word meanings being kind of closer together or further apart, better distinguishable or less distinguishable, you can't do that well there. And then there's this other tradition which views meaning as kind of like, uh, like a landscape. And some meanings are kind of like, like faraway continents and others are really close together and it's really hard to, to, to say where one ends and the, the other starts. And, um, and so you can chart out where different words or different word meanings are in this landscape. And uh, this is a very nice and nuanced way of talking about the meanings of words, but it does not really have anything to say about kind of the structure of sentences and what does no do and what does every do. Um, so this is another uh, exciting challenge. You kind of have two uh, techniques that each can handle half of the problem. Now what? Oh, and I should also uh, add, um, maybe you've seen recently that uh, there's been a lot of um, articles written about artificial intelligence and the advances of artificial intelligence. Um, and there, so this is a particular type of software called, uh, that, that does machine learning. So that is software that can just learn from examples and get better at some task from examples. And um, 
the the advances on this have been just enormous and fascinating in the last years, including um, advances in natural language understanding. So just doing tasks. Um, just now we have the problem that we have these systems that are doing well a lot of tasks, but they are so complex with millions of, of, of parameters, millions of numbers that internally define what they do, that it's really hard to see yeah, what do they do. They do something good with language, but what have they learned about language? And um, can we learn something about language by figuring out what these things have learned about language? So this is kind of a third fascinating direction in understanding, understanding right now. Yeah, they all seem super complex and that they each have their own role to play. Um, yeah. And you also mentioned uh, quote that you are interested in combining distributional representations for words and phrases with logic-based logic representations at a sentence level. Would you be able to explain that? Um, yeah, so that was basically what I just said. So the uh, these things that are good at the sentence structure, so things like what does not do, what does every do, that's the logic-based ones. And distributional is just the technical term for the landscapes of meaning. Okay, awesome. Yeah, thank you. And um, kind of switching gears a little bit, I was particularly interested in one of your research papers where you talk about advice um, and how mm -hmm. online forums, it can be difficult to kind of, for the readers to understand whether what others are posting is advice um, or not, kind of just like the tone. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I find fascinating there is that um, you would think that kind of an obvious advice would be, oh, to solve your problem, you should do X, Y, Z. Um, and in, in some forums, that's what people will say. But in other forums, so especially we looked at one that was all about parenting advice. And uh, there, an advice giver would say something like, oh, I was in a similar situation once. And what I, and, and I tried everything to uh, to get my baby to not cry. And uh, I tried X and no, it, it was no help. And we were at our wits end, but then we tried uh, Z and uh, you know, that really worked for us. So this is, this is a story. This is a narrative. And indirectly, it's also advice is basically saying, I would um, advise you to do what worked for us, but just saying, um, just do that. That would be rude in, in that forum. So um, this has something to do with um, discourse structure. So how, how do you structure longer passages of text, but also with pragmatics. So how do you uh, bring things across? What's, what's kind of a polite way of, of expressing yourself? And uh, that really also depends on, on what forums. And uh, so in this parenting advice forum, we found a lot more of these kind of narrative advice types than in, in another one that we looked at. And uh, by the way, that also made it much harder to identify, to automatically identify advice in the parenting forum. Yeah, and besides what you've mentioned before, is there anything that specifically surprised you about any of the research? Um, how bad current machine learning models are at longer stretches of text. There, there's a lot, so, I mean, 
I mostly do sentence level uh, semantics. And my colleague, Jessie Lee, with whom I was collaborating on this, she does discourse structure. So I, I think it was less of a surprise to her, but I was kind of expecting current machine learning models to be okay with longer text stretches, but ugh, um, didn't work so well. So apparently there's more work still to be done than I thought. That concludes part one to this two-part series. I hope everyone enjoyed listening and part two will be up soon. A special thanks to Professor Irk for doing this interview and I hope everyone has a great day. See you next time.